Today, as we start, let me ask you up front. I want to ask you, be sure and do not point at anybody. Uh, try not stare at anybody. For sure, don't answer out loud this morning. As I ask the question, who has the greatest sin in this room? Who is the greatest sinner in this church? Now, don't stare. Some of you are starting to look around this morning. Uh, if we were keeping records, if the truth were really known, who is the worst sinner in this room? Either we could go in the quantity of sin, the sheer number of sins, or we could go in the quality of sin, the size of the sin. Who would it be? Who is the worst sinner in this room? Honestly, most of us probably thought of somebody. We might act like we didn't, but most of us probably thought of somebody. And honestly, for 99.9% of us, we would not have said it was ourselves. For sure, we would have said, you know what, it's got to be somebody else. It's got to be this person with this sin or, or this person with these sins. And honestly, most of us would not have said, you know what, as I hear that question, I have to be honest and I have to tell you, it's me. I'm your man. I'm the person. Or as Paul said, I'm the chief among sinners. And we would have thought probably about somebody else. You ever think much about that? Here's the truth today. Satan, in his plan, and it's ever since the garden, uh, his plan has been to get mankind not only into, to enter into sin, but also to be comfortable in sin and to not take responsibility for sin. And, and he simply wants man to be desensitized to sin, or he wants us to be numbed to sin. Think about that for just a second. Remember in the garden. Man had sinned, and God comes to confront him, and he comes to confront Adam, and he, he asks Adam, what have you done? And remember what Adam says. Adam says, I did it. It's me. It's on me. I'm responsible. No, that's not what he says. Adam says, the woman that you gave me, they led me, she led me into sin. And so he blames the woman, and he even really blames God. You see, your sin is not as big if you can blame somebody else. Your sin is not as bad if somebody else's is bigger. And so Adam says, you know what, it's the woman that you gave me that led me into sin. The Bible goes on and says God confronts Eve, and he says, what is this? that you have done. And remember Eve, what she says. She says, I did it. I'm responsible. Blame me. No, that's not what she says. She says, the snake has deceived me. And, and she also dodges the blame. Understand, our sin is not as bad if somebody else's is worse. And that really is Satan's plan. That's really one of his he doesn't care how you justify your rebellion against God just as long as you're fine rebelling against God. And that truly is his plan. Today our message is entitled, What About Me? What About Me? We're in Luke chapter 13. Today we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. What About Me? Luke chapter 13 verses 1 through 5. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning here in verse 1, it says this. Now on the same occasion, 
there were some present who reported to him, Jesus, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for you. And we're thankful for the grace that we have through Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sin, that we, that we can truly turn to you, that we can be forgiven of our sin, that, that we can be made right in our relationship with you. We're thankful for that. I'm thankful that today as we've come in this room that we can come and, and we can come in with a new start today. With a clean slate today, we can worship you and we can honor you and not with the baggage and not with the sin and not with the guilt, but we can come and truly be in your presence because of Jesus Christ. We come now and I pray as we begin to study your word, hard truths that you would speak to us today. I, I pray that we would be instructed, that we would be changed through your word today. I pray for some in this room who do not know Jesus Christ. I pray that in the, in the preaching of your word, in the proclamation of your word, in the drawing of your spirit, that today in this hour they might put their faith in Jesus Christ. I ask that you move in this service. We tell you again, we love you and we praise you. And it's all for your glory. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Once again, today's subject is not and will not be popular. In fact, it has never been popular. In fact, you read the Bible, uh, people have died proclaiming today's subject. Now, it is a subject that is confrontational. It is a subject that is convicting. And because of that, it is a subject that is avoided altogether. And you look around today what churches are preaching. You look around, it is a subject that is avoided. The speaker in North America's largest religious gathering, and notice the wording here, the speaker, I didn't call him a preacher, in North America's largest religious gathering says that he's not going to talk about this subject. And he says that very boldly, and he says it without apology. He's not going to talk about today's subject. Today there is a renewed pushback against this subject. Just yesterday I was listening on the radio and I heard a preacher, evidently not a truthful preacher, but a preacher nonetheless, and he said Christians need not address this subject. And he'd build a sermon around the fact that, that because of God's grace, Christians do not need to address this subject. More and more there's evidence that people are pushing back and people are denying the clear teaching of Scripture, the, the truth of God's Word. And, and, and this subject that we see that's abhorred today and that it's neglected today and that it's even mocked is the subject of repentance. Repentance. Well, lucky for you today at Calvary Baptist Church, we're going to stick to God's Word and we're going to follow Jesus' teaching and we're going to look at the subject of repentance today. Let's go to our verses. Chapter 13, verse 1. 
starts off and it says, Now on the same occasion, on the same occasion, that's talking about the conclusion of chapter 12. And so the setting, the context, is following the discussion on being prepared for the end times, the discussion on being ready and being zealous for the mission of Jesus Christ, the discussion on seeking God's mercy while it can be found before it's too late. At the end of that discussion, or at the tail end of that discussion, we now have these verses. And that's the setting on this occasion. Now on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. The Bible tells us here that when Jesus is talking to these folks, that some folks come in and they give a report about these Galileans who were evidently at the temple doing their offering their sacrifices when Pilate had them put to death. And, and evidently it was an unfair death. Evidently it was a brutal and violent death as their blood mixed with the blood of the animals they were sacrificing. And so here in verse 1, this terrible report comes to Jesus as he is teaching. That's verse 1. Look at verse 2. And Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? Verse 2, upon hearing the report, Jesus asked the question, Do you suppose, do you think that these Galileans were greater sinners, had greater sin, the Bible says, than all other Galileans because this had happened to them? Now, here is the thought. These folks thought because this bad thing happened to these people who were doing seemingly a good thing, the thought was, well, there must be a reason for that. There must be some sin behind that. There must be some secret thing that, that we do not know, some secret thing in their heart, or, or there must be some crisis of their faith in order for this thing to have happened. And that is how they thought. Good things happen to good people, and bad things happen to bad people. So there must be some reason for this event. Now, we would never say it, but really, we're very similar, very much the same. You watch today, and, and honestly, somebody will have marital problems, and we'll say, well, there you go. Somebody will have trouble with their kids, well, I, I could have told you that. Somebody has financial troubles, or somebody loses their job, or, or even someone has a health issue, and we come around and we, we pity them, and we say, oh, I'm glad that that's not me, and I'm glad that's not my home and my family, and really what we're saying in that is, is you know what, that could never happen to me because I'm so much better than that. We wouldn't say it, but that's really how we think. A couple of months ago, there was a guy, several months ago, that, that had diabetes, and all the complications that go with that, all the, the trouble that goes with that, and this health issue, and it ties to this health issue, and the guy ended up passing away. Well, sometime after that, I was with this other guy, and we were talking about this guy, and the guy said, well, what did he expect? Well, as fat as he was, didn't take care of himself, what did he expect? 
And I was over there just looking at myself. <laughs> really revealed here is the human tendency to see others as worse than yourself. And really in context, in the context of the verses, really it's to see others' sin as worse than our sin. And then when we start to see others' sin as worse than our sin, we start to soften our view of our sin. Do you see the process? We start to say, yeah, I've got this sin in my life. I've, I've got this issue in my life. But have you seen them? And it begins to soften our view of our sin. That's Satan's plan to, to desensitize you to your own sin. Jesus answers his own question. Look at verse 3. Jesus says, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Notice here in verse 3 how it becomes personal. Notice here how they want to talk about somebody else, but Jesus wants to talk about them. Notice it says here, unless you repent, you, it becomes personal. It turns back to them. Unless you repent, you likewise will perish. See this today. Understand this this morning. Following Christ, your relationship with Christ is a personal thing. It is a personal faith. Understand today, it's about your sin and not somebody else's. It's about your heart. It's about your life before God. It's about your eternity, not somebody else's. And so Jesus says to them, and we ought to take heed today, hey, take a look at yourself. Before we move on here, see the word for perish. It says, you likewise will perish. These people were slaughtered and their blood ran into the blood of the, the animals they were sacrificing. You likewise will perish. That word means to be destroyed, to be ruined. It means to be killed. He says here, repent, you repent, or you will perish. Strong word. We're going to look more at the word in verse 5. But notice here the verb for the, for the word repent here. It is in the continual tense. And so what that means is you repent, but you keep on repenting. All right, moving to verse 4. Jesus continues and he says, Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell... And killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem. Here in verse 4, it is another example of what Jesus is illustrating. He says at, at Jerusalem, the Tower of Siloam evidently had fallen. And when it had fallen, it had killed 18 people. Now, notice a couple of things here. First is this. A person from Jerusalem would have had a greater esteem or a greater value in their eyes because they were a resident of Jerusalem. Now, these Galileans, we hate that that's happened to them, but they were from Galilee. And so that's, that's maybe a different situation. But these guys, they were residents of the holy city. They were residents of God's city. And so they were deemed as more valuable than a Galilean. Now, the second thing to notice here is this, the, the first event was at the hand of an evil person, Pilate. 
But this event was random. The tower just happened to fall off them. So, so Jesus says, do you think their sin therefore had to be greater? A tower randomly fell upon them. Surely it was because their sin was greater. Then we go to verse 5, and it's a repeat of verse 3. I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, when we study God's word, he reveals all kinds of truth to us. Now, this isn't the point to the message. It's not really the point to the verses here, but see this today. They were saying, was it because of their great sin? Jesus says, I tell you, no. That's not the reason. Now, see this today. Hear this today. Not all troubles are due to an issue of sin. Now, there's some people that like you to believe that. Well, there's a crisis of faith. Well, there's some secret sin. Be sure and understand, not all troubles are due to an issue of sin. But listen to this. But all sins not dealt with will result in great trouble. That's the biblical truth. You know what? Not all troubles are due to an issue of sin, but all sins not dealt with will result in great trouble. The Bible says you will even perish. That's the same truth today. Sin not dealt with will bring great trouble. Left alone, you will perish. Okay, here's the subject. Jesus says here in verses 3 and verses 5, Repent. That's our subject, repent. He says, repent or perish. Now, the, let's look at this. The first thing we see is this. Be sure of this today. God's economy requires repentance. Be sure and understand that today. God's economy requires repentance. Now, now listen to all this. John the Baptist, he's preparing the way for Jesus He's going to prepare the way for Jesus who's ushering in the kingdom of God. He preaches a message of repentance. Jesus himself, he preaches the message of repentance to both Jews and Gentiles. Now there's some today say, well, he was only speaking to Jews. Go back and read the Bible. He's speaking to both Jews and Gentiles. Now, not only that, but he teaches and he sends his disciples out with a message of repentance. Mark chapter 6 verse 12 says that. Not only that, look at the life of Peter. There at Pentecost, as the church is forming, he tells them the events of the gospel, and they're convicted, and they say, what must we be doing? And he says, repent. Look at the apostle Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, speaking to both Jews, and the Bible says Greeks. In Acts chapter 20, verse 21, he's preaching to them repentance towards God. Acts chapter 17, verse 30, he's preaching the message that people everywhere should repent. Listen to me. In God's economy, God's desire is for mankind to repent. Now, what does that mean? We don't have time. There's two sermons right here. There's several definitions for repentance. I'm going to read you some of them. To repent means to feel regret and remorse over sin and to turn from it. The word repent literally means to turn. The Hebrew word for repent is actually a combination of two words. 
One word means to sorrow. The other word means to return. The Greek word for repent means to turn one's mind or to change one's mind or to think differently. Now here's my favorite definition that I came across. To repent. A radical turning to God. An experience in which God is recognized as the most important fact in one's own existence. Listen to that again. To repent. A radical turning to God. An experience in which God is recognized as the most important fact in one's own existence. Very simply, to repent is to turn from our sins and to follow God. It's to turn and leave ourselves and attach ourselves to God. Be sure of this today. Listen to me. The Christian life is not a sinless life. We can't ignore the fact that sin exists. The Christian life, listen to this, is not a sin-filled life, trampling upon God's grace. But rather, the Christian life is a repentant life, a life where we turn from our sin and we seek after God. Now, I don't know if you're catching it, but as I go through those verses, as I'm reading through that, as, as I start to understand the true meaning of repentance, a sharp turning away from our sin and a distinct turning to God, I want to tell you I'm convinced of the fact I need to repent. I must repent. God, help me daily to repent. So how do we repent? Very quickly, let me tell you a couple ways. First is this. To repent, you have to see sin. That's why Satan wants to desensitize us to it. That's why he wants to numb us to it. To repent, you have to see sin. Don't overlook it. Don't explain it away. Don't excuse it. See sin. Now, let me just tell you, if you're having a hard time seeing sin, then you need to use the lens of God's Word, and it'll point it out to you. So the first thing is see sin. The second thing is this, sorrow over sin, grieve over sin. Seeing sin for what it is, we ought to grieve over it. It's an offense to God. It's a rebellion against God. It's a slander against His holy nature. To sin is to spurn God's love and it's to spit upon His grace and it's to stomp on His sacrifice. My sin is vile and my sin is wicked and my sin is evil and it's disgusting in the sight of God and it's an attack against the holy God of love. And that ought to cause us to sorrow over our sin, to grieve over our sin. How do we not? Sorrow over sin. Third step in repentance is this. Confess your sin. Admit your sin. And what this means is this, get real. Well, you think I'm pretty good and I've got you fooled and, and you don't know what's really in my heart and you don't know what I do somewhere else. Let me tell you something. To, to truly repent is to get real with God. To confess your sin with God. To quit, to quit playing around with God. He knows your actions. He knows your heart. We confess it. The Bible says we're forgiven when we confess it. 1 John 1, 9. And then the fourth step to repentance is this. Turn away from it. You see, a lot of folks have, have confessed sin. 
but they enjoy it and they want to stay in it. They confess sin. Some of them take pride in confessing it. They've, they've begun to be pretty good at confessing it. But you know what? It's not just to confess your sin. It's to, to be revolt, repulsed by your sin and to turn around and to leave your sin. To reject it. And God's power enables that. We have to turn away from sin. Verse 5 says this. And I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come today, we're thankful for the truth of your word. And we're thankful that, that even when it's unpopular in, in a sorry culture, that you lay it out for us. And you tell us your desires that we would, we would sharply turn away from sin and we would distinctly turn to you. And how that, how that could not be your plan, I can't understand that. But I also understand knowing your plan, we neglect to do it. And I pray for, for us in the, in the leading of the Holy Spirit of God and the, in the, the truth of your word that we would truly repent. We would turn to you. We would abide with you. We would walk with you. Enable that, God. Pray for some in this, in this service. That maybe they've come in and they're caught in a in a web of sin and the guilt and the shame and the condemnation of sin, that they would come today and they wouldn't feel beat up, but they would understand you paid the penalty for sin through Jesus Christ. And today they can confess it. Today they can be forgiven and they can leave here today in a right standing with you. Impress that upon them today. Let them know that truth today. Pray for us here as Christians today that that we might have a sin issue, a sin problem. We do and and we, we would come and we would try to hide it. I pray that we would be real. That a revival would break out when God's people repented and they left that sin and they turned again to a holy God. Stir in our hearts to be a repentant people. We tell you again, we love you. We tell you we're sorry that we, we rail against you, we rebel against you. We get used to our sin, we'd rather have that than you. Forgive us of that. We conclude this service, I pray in a time of invitation that you would move, that you would speak, that you would work. I pray that there will be decisions made in this time. We tell you we love you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you as we prepare to close our service today, really the act of repentance, the, 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 the first step in the act of repentance for us in the New Testament is putting your faith in Jesus Christ. You see, you can't have a relationship with God. You can't turn to God. You can't be in fellowship with God if you're still in your sin. And so our sins that grieve us, Jesus paid for them. And I want to tell you that maybe the first and greatest act of repentance is to say, yes, I'm a sinner and I'm sick of my sin and I'm sorrowed over my sin and Jesus is my remedy for sin and today I put my faith in him. And in doing so, I'm forgiven. And then I turn and I follow in the power of the Holy Spirit God and I walk with him maybe you're here today and, I want, and you're, you're, you're sitting there and you say you know what I, I'm tired of the sin I'm tired of the guilt I'm tired of the condemnation I'm tired of trying to chase my way and it never working out and, and you want to come and you want to say I, I, want to, I want to be right with God and I want to, I want to walk in an a, a abiding relationship with him here's what you do today you put your faith in Jesus Christ 
you admit your sin, you put your faith in Jesus Christ. There's some in this room that need to do that today. You know what, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry that I put my faith today in Jesus Christ. Come into my heart, save me, forgive me, cleanse me the best I know how. I'm going to walk with you as my Lord and Savior. Some of you need to do that today. Pray that you wouldn't become apathetic and numb. Well, I, I, I don't know if I've done that, but I'm not that bad. Well, I've got other time. I'll take care of it some other time, maybe at a later date. I, I pray that you wouldn't become apathetic, that you would take care of that today. In just a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of, of invitation, a hymn of commitment. If that's you today, if God's speaking to you today, I'm going to invite you to come and to, to just say, well, today I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Today I claim the forgiveness that I have in the act and the love of Jesus Christ. You come and we'll settle that today. Settle it today. Maybe you're here and you've put your faith in Christ, but you've never followed in believer's baptism. I want to give you an opportunity to come and say, what, I am a Christian, but I need the world to know it. I need my family and my friends to know what I believe of Christ as Christ has commanded me the way to show it. And so I want to be baptized to show what I believe of Christ and to show what's happened to me in and through Christ. And so you come today, we'll set a time for your baptism. Maybe you're here looking for a church home, and if you've prayed about it, you believe God's led you here, you come. And you join, and we'll fellowship together more than that. We'll serve God together. We'll, we'll point to him. We'll take up his cause, and we'll be faithful to that. And so if you believe God's led you, you come, and we'll take care of that as well. Maybe you want to come and, and, and pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come in humility and say, God, I am sick of my sin, and I'm sorrow over the state of my sin. Forgive me and renew me. Maybe you want to pray at an altar or pray with me. We're going to stand and sing. If you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here. So we stand and sing. You step out and you come on, I'll meet you here.